Hello and welcome to RipperCast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders. This is episode 22, Blondes, Psychics, and Aberlene's Crutch, Jack the Ripper in the Movies, with special guest Cindy Collins-Smith, the creator of the excellent and one-of-a-kind website HollywoodRipper.com. I'm Jonathan Mangus, and joining me today is Chris Scott, researcher and author of Will the Real Mary Kelly, Mike Covell, researcher, author, and paranormal investigator who is working on a book entitled From Hell, From Hole, Professor LaVon Tal from the University of Tulsa in Oklahoma, and Allie Ryder, former moderator of the website casebook.org. What do I look like? Who can I be? All the blinking coppers is out after me. They think I'm here, they think I'm there. But when they come to collar me, I'll vanish in the air. Oh, what do I look like? Who can I be? Well, here's a bit of something you can say of me. I ain't a butcher, I ain't a kid, and I ain't a foreign skipper. I'm just your own dear loving friend. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Cindy, um, HollywoodRipper.com has been around for quite a number of years, and uh, maybe you can let us know how you got interested in um, how Jack the Ripper was portrayed in movies, and and uh, let us know what, what kind of led to you um, constructing the website HollywoodRipper.com. Well, it's a little bit convoluted as a story. Um, I was working on a chapter for a book on Alfred Hitchcock, and the chapter was not on anything related to Jack the Ripper. It was on the movie Psycho. And in the course of writing the chapter, I was looking at the history of interpretation of serial killing. And I was, uh, because I was trying to track down some information on why Ed Gein's killings were interpreted in such an edible way, which worked its way into Psycho. And I got my hands on this 1950s uh, book on, on murder, <laughs> and it had a little chapter on Jack the Ripper, and, of course, it was all interpreted in this Freudian way because everything was being interpreted in a Freudian way at that time. But what really astonished me was what the Ripper had actually done in his crimes because I had grown up uh, hearing about the Ripper, seeing TV things on the Ripper and stuff like that, but it was all sanitized. I wasn't watching documentaries. I was just seeing Jack the Ripper stuff come in ephemerally through television programs and movies and so on. So the name was out there in the air and I knew that he cut women's throats, but I had absolutely no idea that he had been disemboweling his victims. And then I started wondering how that came to be. You know, how these crimes had been so horrific and so shocking and yet culturally had been so sanitized and so I started looking back at the history of the cinema and how the Ripper was portrayed how the Ripper um, was um, interpreted and how ultimately we got this myth of of Jack the Ripper and of course it has very very you know numerous 
uh, areas, areas of mythology, but um, I just basically decided to try to put together uh, a book on the topic, but that actually morphed into a website project. So that's the short version. <laughs> and um, how long has the website been in existence? Um, I think I rolled out the first version of the website in the late 90s, in about 1999. Um, the project kind of began in its infancy in about 1995. That's when I was working on that psycho chapter. Um, or was it 96? It was, I think that was 96, actually. So for about three years, I'd been doing some research, gathering material. And, um, you know, I had actually uh, looked not just at movies, but also had looked at the history of the case and had done a bit of research in uh, the way it was interpreted in the newspapers at the time. So um, I think 1999 was when it first came out, and then I did a big redesign in 2002, and uh, I just finished another big redesign. Right, and um, the website looks great, by the way. I love Thank it. Thank you. Thank um, you. And now there are, you've seen um, all but a small handful of movies about Jack the Ripper. I think that your website um, lists like maybe four or five that, that you've yet to see. Yeah, um, I can't guarantee that. I've seen all of them that are out there. It's just that these are the four or five that I know about that I haven't seen. Right, not including television shows. Actually, uh, that is including TV shows. Right, but oh. I'm at the four or five. Wouldn't I guess you have a longer list here that includes some some um, episodes of television series, but it looks like you have like four four movies uh, still on your to watch list, and, and a few episodes of television shows. Um, do you have a personal favorite? You know, that's a really tough question to answer because um, there's, I have several favorites, I think. Uh, the, the BBC production is spectacular, the one with Michael Caine. Um, that's just a wonderful production. Um, so for, you know, sort of really a lot of veracity, something that really tells the case the way it was, although it gets a little fanciful in the last half hour, um, that's a really good production. Now, in terms of, um, you know, some other movies, I really, I really like A Study in Terror. That's uh, the first Sherlock Holmes one uh, from 1965, I think. Um, I love the 1944 Lodger. Recently wrote a review of that. Um, there's a there's just a whole bunch of stuff that I really like. Uh, there's this very obscure 19, early 1960s Austrian film, a uh, version of Lulu, which I think is very good, but you kind of have to travel to see it. Um, there's there's a, a number of good ones. Most of them are not very accurate, though. I have a question. Have you, um, I know you, you said your list is not completely comprehensive, but there's only a few that you haven't seen. I have not seen, and I've been wondering um, about uh, the webisode um, show called Sanctuary, in which Jack the Ripper is a central character, and that is now being picked up for television. And I was wondering if you've seen that, 
or and if you have what your what you think of it because that's the one I'm really interested in currently and I haven't seen it. No, I have not seen that. In fact, that's something that I need to look into. Thank you for the lead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I was I was not aware of that. Is that on YouTube? Um. Uh, no, basically what it is, is it was a, uh, t uh, a show that was created specifically for the internet that was with an all-volunteer cast of um, fairly well-known science fiction um, characters. Um, Amanda Tapping from Stargate was um, the main lead character. And apparently, and, I, and again, I have not seen it, so I'm just going on, on what I've read. She is a 157-year-old, uh, quote-unquote, immortal. It's all supernatural, obviously, who was right. engaged to... Jack the Ripper in Victorian London where he's and I believe John Druitt is right. who they've chosen as as their Jack the Ripper um, they have a daughter together and it's set in modern day times but Jack the Ripper is one of the um, central characters in it and it's apparently being picked up um, by the sci-fi channel uh, to um, replace, um, I mean, to um, to replace the internet episodes, and Amanda Tapping has just left her Stargate show in order to focus on it. So I was sort of interested in it just because, you know, obviously Jack the Ripper heard the buzz because it was apparently so cult popular that they decided to pick it up for a real TV show. Wow. I uh, just looked it up. It is on YouTube, and uh, they also have a big website, but I'll have to look into this. Um, no, I hadn't seen it. I have been really immersed in my job for a while and uh, just really kind of recently got back into uh, doing the website. Um, so thanks for the lead. Can, can I ask? I've got two questions, actually. Can I, can I, um, sure. This on, is Chris Scott, by the way. Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Hi. On, on, hi. On the, on the book side, there, there are various cases, especially quite early publications, that we, that we know of, but no copies survived. You know, we, we've, we've seen them advertised in the press or through accounts, and, you know, there's, there's various very, well, I say very rare, as far as we know, non-existent ones that we know only by reputation. Are there any sort of film examples like that? Are there very, any sort of a very early films that you know were made and no prints exist? Or I don't know of any that have no prints existing. I know of some that have one or two prints existing. Um, actually, somebody talked about on uh, the Casebook website of a 1914 film, Spanish language film, called Destripador. Um, I don't know if there are any prints existing of that. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, that, that was me. <laughs> that was you. I found a notice for a theater for a, a, what they called it, a, a, I can't remember, what they, um, a cinema listing, and it was just called uh, El Distripador. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, that, yeah that was 1914. Yeah. The, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I, I was going to, uh, I was just going to add to that, that th that was the same thread that also um, had information on um, the one about the beat cop strolling, um, Whitechapel, but it turns yeah, out it that's may right. have been filmed in Liverpool, actually, yeah. um, because the filmmaker um, pretty much filmed all of his material in Liverpool, yeah. from what I've been able to gather. Um, wow. But it uh, it was uh, uh, that uh, contained on the same thread that that listed a few pre Pandora's box films yeah. um, that 
no, no one has seen. It's interesting that you'll see descriptions, scene by scene descriptions of some of these really early turn of the century uh, movies, but um, it's nearly impossible to find out where any copies are located. But yeah. I was just wondering because the one that the very obscure very obscure one with a very odd title I always remember and I saw it listed somewhere as the earliest film that actually featured the Ripper sort of as a character, whether it was just a par passing mention, was this Farmer Spud film. Farmer Spud? Yeah, it's called it's called Farmer Spud and his Mrs. Go to Town. And it's oh. I've seen it. I've seen it listed as the earliest film that actually sort of makes mention of, of the Ripper. I wonder in what context the Ripper appears. I, I've seen him, you know, appear obviously as a comic setups in some, um, I've as got a, a feeling it's, I've got a feeling it's listed in the A to Z. If you bear with me a minute, I'll have a quick look. Just okay, talk amongst yourselves. Okay. I've got the reference here, actually. <laughs> Farmer Spud and his missus take a trip to town, 1915. Not really a Ripper film as such. The Spud family merely encounters a waxwork of the killer on a visit to Madame Tussauds. And that's in uh, Eddleston's Jack the Ripper Encyclopedia. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and, um... Now, that's actually kind of interesting because there is this whole waxworks theme that right. goes through for cinema. Right, that's what I was yes, going to say. That's a reoccurring theme of um, Jack the Ripper. Uh, a, a lot of the movies uh, and television s series, I think, would correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm not entirely well versed on this topic, but um, have uh, people trapped in waxworks museums and they end up coming to life. Uh, and sure. um, and uh, Jack the Ripper uh, would be one of the characters in the waxworks sounds as, Yeah, this, this one sounds like that. This one was made in 1915. It's got film directed by J.V.L. Lee. We know little about this film except that the Spuds visit Madame Tussauds in London and encounter a waxwork of the Ripper. Huh. Interesting. I wonder if he comes to life. I don't know. It, That's all it says. In some cases, there's um, the Ripper coming to life is... is um, you know, turns out to be fake, like in mm. Terror in the Wax Museum. Uh, mm. There's suspicion that the Ripper character is coming to life, the Ripper wax work is coming to life, but he's not. And uh, in the Twilight Zone episode, um, <laughs> in that one, we don't really know in the end whether the characters came to life or whether the curator was actually committing all the murders. Mm. Um, so, uh, but the, the wax works, you know, have been a, a major theme in, in oh, Ripper. Yeah stuff um there are a couple of very early lulu films before uh pandora's box mm. uh one's from 1917 and uh there is one copy i know of in the ne Nether netherlands museum and there's also erdgeist from 1923 with austin mm. nielsen as lulu when was when was lulu written uh oh gosh 1904 was, yeah was oh. Wedekind's book um, Pandora's Box. Because the opera's based. Alban Berg did the opera. Yes. Right. So that that one you mentioned—that's the earliest filmed version of it, is it? That's the earliest film version of it that I know. Yeah. Now there's a 1918 movie that has been listed as Lulu. Um, 
it stars Bella Lugosi, and it was actually uh, directed by Michael Curtiz, who directed uh, Casablanca. But um, I've been corresponding with the with a, a major Lugosi scholar, and he tells me yeah. that the movie's title is actually Lily, and it's a sort of romantic comedy that kind of got accidentally oh, right. into this whole Lulu thing. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an early Hungarian movie. It is not a Jack the Ripper film at all. And what date was that? That was 1918. Because that's very early for Lugosi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's is that Hungarian. When, is, that when he, is that when he was still living in Hungary? Yes, yes. Right. And when Curtiz was in Hungary as well. Yes. And um, I think that... Th- I don't know if it's the Criterion Collection who came out with the new uh, double DVD box set for Pandora's Box with the uh, documentary. With yeah, I believe so. Louise Brooks or what? But um, and it's uh, fully restored and everything like that. So um, Lulu's been, um, or Pandora's Box, I should say, has been um, given a, a kind of a second life here with just within the last year or two. It's a lot uh, easier to pick up in a, in a, in a restored edition and everything. Mm. Yeah, and it's a great movie. Yeah, it is. And Louise Brooks is a native Kansan, I should add. Oh, is she? <laughs> yeah. Wow. She was a long way from Kansas she, she's, <laughs> she made that movie. <laughs> she certainly there, was. There's no place like home. Oh, no, wrong film. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> can, I, can I ask a rather saucy question? You, you were saying... Um, um, you were asked, I think, the first question you know, about your favourite. Uh, what would you nominate as the worst ripper film ever made? <laughs> oh boy, uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to need. I know to which look. one. I know. I know which one I'd nominate, but I'd, I'd be very interested to, obviously, with much more in-depth knowledge. Which one you'd think? Uh, give me just a second here. I'm sure. <laughs> I, Are you I'm spoiled sure for choice? Up, I'm sure I can come up with a good one. Um. <laughs> Let's see. While you're looking, it's easy. Uh, it, it 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 may be interesting to hear your choice. I mean, like for instance, when you you um you said one of your favorites is the 1988 version uh, with Michael Caine. Yes. Um. F- uh, for some um, for some people in the in the field, uh, the way that that the they characterized Aberlene, um was just horrendous and and so it, it is interesting um you know if, uh, coming from the perspective of maybe a movie buff as opposed to a jack the ripper right buff, mm-hmm. um, yeah absolutely. What, what you would think would be your your uh favorite and least favorite ripper film yeah i think well probably the absolute worst ripper film that i've ever seen is one that you just can't get anywhere uh i got it from I got it from some dealer. He was selling a, a Greek subtexted copy. It's this Valerian Barovchik uh, version of Lulu from 1980, and I don't know if it was hacked up or anything, but it's it's just horrifically bad. <laughs> um, you know, it may have been chopped up by the Greek distributor because it, uh, it, you know, just just doing the sex scenes or something. But it has like almost no story to it. Um, the dubbing on Udo, Udo Kier, um, who you know can can speak English, he he delivers the line in English because he plays Jack the Ripper, and the but they dubbed it, and it's just 
terrible dubbing. I mean, he sounds like he's, I don't know, one of those 1950s science fiction um, tough guys or something. And they turned uh, the Countess Geschwitz into an old crone. Um, and it's just, and that's not why I dislike it. It's just that there's nothing to it. It's horrible. Yeah. The, the death of Lulu lasts and lasts and lasts, you know. And I don't mean in the sense of you see him stab her over and over again. It's more like this sort of master thespian thing from Saturday Night Live, almost comic death. Mm. I mean, it's just terrible. Um, I give some of these other movies a little more credit. But another one that I don't like at all um, is just Franco's Jack the Ripper from 1976. Um, the sort of creepy necrophiliac <laughs> Jack the Ripper. Um, the, the Klaus Kinski? Yeah, Klaus Kinski. And uh, it may just oh, be yes, because... Oh, yes, yes, yes. It may be the... Dr. Stanley or something like that. Um, right. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the reason I really hate that one is... It may be because of the English. I mean, it may be the English voice acting that's so bad, but it just seems like he's more interested in focusing on Klaus's face and then in telling a story, and, you know, he completely mm. changes the, the modus operandi, which doesn't bother me too much. They do that a lot in, in Ripper movies, but it's just not very interesting, you know? Mm. I just don't think it's a very interesting movie. I find it pretty boring. Um I know it's kind of a cult favorite because of Klaus Kinski and Jess Franco and all of that, but I just find it pretty boring. Mm. But the the Barovchik Lulu, I think, is the worst I've seen. I, I, the one that I always sticks in my mind, well, there are two, but the, the, the worst one was, um, there was, um, you, you probably know of them, they've become a sort of minor cult, and there, there was, um, they're still technically going, but in the 60s and 70s, there was a, a uh, sort of film producer in, in, in the UK called Hammer Films. Oh, yeah. And, and they did sort of what would now be called shock horror. I mean, they were very, very, you know, low budget. Some of them actually were very good. But they did a film called Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Okay. With Ralph Bates in, who actually is not a bad actor, but he, for some uh, appalling re I mean, he, he must have been <laughs> sh short of cash. Um, and this is obviously based on the Jekyll and Hyde story. Yes. But when he turns into Hyde, he also changes sex. Right. Becomes more that's, that's why it's called Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Now, the potion, yeah. that, he, the, the potion that he takes to effect the change, um, in, in his male incarnation, um, he is the Ripper. Because he stalks his women, because it's one of the ingredients in the potion. And he, he act, but he, he actually befriends the victims as a woman because he goes out as Sister Hyde, sort of tracking down likely victims and gains their confidence as a woman to find out where they live. I mean, the, the, fa the facts of the case, forget it. I mean, it's just out the window. But it is truly and utterly, and uh, it is appalling. They've got uh, Burke and Hare in there, too. That's um, right. Yeah. yeah oh, every, everybody's in. Everybody's yeah. in there. Yeah. I think Sherlock, I think Sherlock Holmes is in there, and no, 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 Sherlock's not in that one. <laughs> I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised Quasimodo didn't make an appearance or something. You know, they, <laughs> they threw everybody in. So as Doctor Jekyll, he's Jack the Ripper, and then he drinks the potion yes. and becomes yes. um, Mrs. Hyde. The, the, and well, and the, ration, the rationale is he needs to commit the murders because the organs he takes from the women is one of the ingredients to make the potion. 
Right. But then when he when he uh, takes the potion and turns into Hyde, he turns into this uh, into a woman. Yeah. Did they ever adequately explain why he would want to take a potion that turns him into a woman? No. Okay. He's he's trying to find a a uh, a fountain of youth serum, you know, so he can stay alive forever. And, That's right. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, and he's using female organs to do so. That's and right. Female organs transform him into a woman. So the the female part is yeah. kind of a side effect. That's and, right. You're right. Uh, God, it's a long time since I saw it. It's about thirty years ago. <laughs> Oh I, I find that one just kind of very amusing. It's uh, it was actually oh, it's, done yes. by one of the uh, Avengers producers. Yeah, yeah. Because Ralph Bates did quite a few films of that sort of like Hammer type. Because there were two or three studios at that time. There was another one with actually quite a reputable actor in called Eric Porter, mm-hmm. which was called which was called The Hands of the Ripper, which was actually the the protagonist in that was supposedly the Ripper's daughter. Correct. Yeah. And she sort of inherited the murdering gene, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, she also experienced a really severe trauma as a child. Her That's, father came, she, father came she, home. I, th- I think she was in a cot and she saw him commit one of the murders. She saw him commit uh, the murder of her mother. That's uh, right. He murdered her mother and then gave her a... Uh, a bright dangly object and anytime she sees a bright dangly object that, after that yeah. she turns into this ripper persona yeah that's right but again very long time since i've seen it can i can i just very briefly mention i, I will stop wittering because i tend to ramble on and on but um <laughs> what what was said about the 1988 the michael kane one because i find that a very and from what you've said a very sort of curious dilemma because i come to the sort of cases like a researcher, so I'm very rooted in the facts. I've, I tend to find my gut reaction when I watch a, a, um, a cinematic version is that the more it tends to veer away from the facts, the more I feel my hackles going up. And, mm-hmm. and, I, um, and what was said about the treatment of Abilene, I think is true because, Paul, interestingly, Paul was... Um, uh, one of the first chats I was on, Paul said that Abilene's family were so upset by the depiction of that in the film, especially him being a drunkard, that they contacted Paul and said, you know, look, is there any historical basis for this? They were really quite put out by it. Um, Because, you know, it's completely... But the one that really surprised me in that was the way that they depicted George Lusk. Because because Lusk was this very solid Victorian tradesman, you know, builder. If you've seen that photograph with him with the bowler hat. But in the Lorimar version in 88, he was this sort of rabble-rousing fanatic. I mean, he was... He was leading um, mobs through the streets with flaming torches and besieging yeah. Scotland Yard. I mean, the character. There's a character like that in a lot of Ripper movies. He's oh, usually yes. not, not usually named George Lusk, but no. um, but apparently their portrayal of Lusk in that film took on the attributes of that character, who's uh, so, you know, kind of leading leading <laughs> rabble through the through the streets of Whitechapel and yeah. and uh, well, it, it reminded. Scenes. London. But it reminded me of sort of, it, it, it was almost, you could have put that, especially with the flaming torches, when they were sort of marching through the streets of Whitechapel, as a sort of motif. I mean, it took me straight back to the sort of Frankenstein films. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, the mobs going up to the castle or, or yeah. burning the window at the end of the Karloff one. Yeah, villagers with torches. That's right. Yeah, so always yeah. be aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see them, I walk the other way. 
<laughs> Mind you, we don't get many of them around here. So, what did you think of, uh, you were talking about the depiction of Aberlene. What did you think yeah. of the depiction of Aberlene in From Hell? It was, it, was, it was equally bizarre and equally far from the truth. I mean, if anything, it was even more extreme because, I mean, although I've got a lot of time for Johnny Depp as an actor, um, I mean, it was, um, you know, he was this widowed uh, drug fiend, you know, who went chasing the dragon and had these sort of psychic visions and died in um, Godly's arms, you know, then put coins on his eyes. I mean, whereas, you know, Abilene was this sort of... Um, solid East End policeman who died in Bournemouth in his 80s. I mean, it really couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can see, I can see, but there again, it was only one... Um, actually, by the time they got to the end of the film, there'd been so much other fantasy and so much more sort of, um, you know, all the business with Mary Kelly and the crook child and her going back to Ireland and the little cottage by the sea and all that. And right. I mean, the, the depiction of Abilene sort of piled into insignificance in, the, in view of all that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think anybody who goes to the movies looking for an accurate depiction of anything is really the wrong person to be talking about movies. I mean, obviously, I, it's Hollywood. They're not agree. going to do accurate treatment. So, Cindy, you did start off talking about how the web the website sort of became about as an organic. You were going to write a book, but it sort of turned into a website. How much time do you think you've spent researching and analyzing these movies in order to get the data up on your website? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's... Uh, and do you wish you could have that time of your life back? Sorry. <laughs> um, well, with some of these movies, definitely. <laughs> um, I've spent... I can't tell you how much time it's been... It's been considerable because when the f project first began, a lot of these movies were almost totally unavailable. Um, they, you had to go to you know, film conventions and find them at dealers' tables because they were not available on uh, DVD uh, or VHS in any commercial versions. Uh, the first version that I saw of the Lodger, the 26 Lodger with Hitchcock, um, you know, had this horrible organ score that was just deadly boring. Um, now there's, like, multiple versions of the Lodger on DVD. Um and the 44 Lodger with Laird Krieger was not even available. It, it rarely played on television. Uh, you couldn't get it anywhere. It has now been released uh, by Fox. But it, it was very difficult to come across these titles. So I spent a considerable amount of time, first of all, compiling my list and then tracking down the titles. And I, I did a lot of tracking just simply by uh, you know, I, I tracked him on the web. I, I found um, I found out where some of the most obscure things were located. I um, did a favor for a guy at a film convention who had a great collection, and he just gave me a copy of Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper, gratis, uh, which was one of those movies that you couldn't find anywhere, and it's still very hard to find. Um, it's not a movie. It's a TV episode. But... Uh, it was very difficult, putting the research aside, it was very difficult just to find the movies to watch. Um, so I spent a lot of time, I spent probably a couple of years, almost full time, uh, tracking this stuff down um, in the late 90s. Uh, I also spent a lot of time um, going to the Library of Congress. This was before uh, Casebook... Um, 
was as complete as it is now. Casebook was great back then, um, but you still had to go to Library of Congress and dig up some of the articles. Now I think Casebook has everything. Um, so I looked up all of the killings in uh, the London Times and in some of the other papers and because uh, I wanted to see, I looked up a lot of the letters to the Times. I was very interested in the letters because I wanted to see how the themes that ultimately play into the interpretation of the killings and which result in the cinema, uh, where they started from. So um, I did a lot of research in that regard. I, I've done a lot less research in sort of the traditional ripperologist, um, you know, things of trying to figure out who the killer is and stuff like that, but a lot of research into how the themes uh, surrounding the myth developed. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, and, and it actually leads me to a second one. What have you noticed as the theme evolving in the Jack the Ripper? Like, what were the central themes, say, from the 20s films, and how has that changed as far as any sort of, you know, from the killer to the victims? What, how has the treatment of this story evolved? You'd, you'd spoken to it a little bit, like you had looked into um, how, it, how it became so sanitized. Did you ever come to a realization of how that sort of occurred, and what have you seen as the evolving trends in film as time has gone on? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the things that I've seen as time has gone on is that the movies became much less sanitized, obviously. Um, you know, at, starting with the 70s, I think you start seeing much more graphic depictions um, of, of the... They may not be the killings. They may not be taking place in the way that they actually took place, but you have much more emphasis on the sexual aspects, on the... Um, on the, on the sort of um, weird sexuality of the killer, as it may have been, uh, you have a lot more um, sort of grittiness uh, in the movies as time goes on. Um, I think that some of the things that I've seen are that there are kind of two major strands in the in the development and one is the supernatural strand and the other is the more realistic strand and I know that's very general but I think that the supernatural strand um, starts very early obviously the curse upon Mitre Square is the first supernatural tale that I know of and um, you know it just kind of takes off from there and then you have the more realistic depictions like um, you know Marie Bella Clown's The Lodger and um, Vatican's uh, Lulu stories in terms of the victims, one thing that I've noticed is that the first time that I can recall actually hearing the real names of the victims is, I believe, in A Study in Terror, the 1965 film, uh, which is a Sherlock Holmes movie. Um, and that becomes a trend. Um, maybe not so much a trend, but it becomes something that... It, you know, happens in other films after that. Before that, the women were never named. And the women uh, before that were... Um, it was frequently sanitized in a lot of the earlier movies. I know that the Pandora's Box movie depicts her as uh, resorting to prostitution. But um, in the Hitchcock Lodger, it's um, blondes, blonde models. In The Phantom Fiend, it's just kind of random women. Um, young women, beautiful young women. 
in the 44 Lodger, it's um, actresses, and same thing, of course, with The Man in the Attic, which is basically just a remake of the 44 Lodger. So, um, you know, you really have this trend of, of distancing the women from, you know, the facts of the case, and part of that had to do with the, with the uh, censors, um, especially in the American movies, um, and even Hitchcock had issues in making his movie. He, he was not even able to make Ivor Novello uh, the actual killer because of Novello's popularity as a matinee idol. So, um, you know, you, you, you do see the, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues that the filmmakers had to deal with, and they weren't really able to deal with the case very directly or very head-on. And, um, but I have seen kind of, a trend more towards addressing um, the women, uh, naming the women, um, and getting closer to the actual modus operandi of Jack the Ripper. But didn't didn't did, did Novello? Sorry to interrupt. Did did Novello take the the title role of the lodger in two of the films? Didn't he? Yes. Yeah. He uh, also did the Phantom Fiend. So he that's, that's right. a top. That's a talky version, and um, it's a very self-indulgent version of the lodger, actually. Um, but he wasn't. But he wasn't portrayed as the killer in either. No, no, not in either one. Uh, in the first one, Hitchcock was the one who had to deal with um, the studio and make sure that Novello was protected from actually being the killer. In the second one, Novello, I think, put up the money for the part and uh, for the movie. And um, once again, he didn't have himself portrayed as the killer. One one of the trends I've noticed is that there was this uh, period um, where the lodger story uh, was recycled and recycled and recycled, um, which has a basis in in reality. Um, uh, I mean, maybe not the Hollywood representation, but at least the lodger story has a basis in and, and uh, press accounts uh, from the time of the murders. And, and then um, starting um, after, uh, I don't know if, if it was um, after Prince Jack or whatever, but, but uh, now the theme that's being recycled and recycled and recycled is the Royal Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so it is interesting how these early movies seemed, I mean, I don't want to call them more accurate as opposed to movies like <laughs> From Hell or the 1988 uh, Michael Caine version of, the Jack, of Jack the Ripper, um, but at least there was at least some basis. I mean, sure, the royal conspiracy has a basis in the reality of, of people's imaginations, but you know, at least the Lodger tales early on, um, you know, did did kind of um, um, were spawned out of um, you know uh, specific uh, parts of the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I find it... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Cindy, and then Chris' response. One thing that I find interesting is that I've only been able to track down... I've only seen one movie that deals with the the Duke of Clarence theory. So, um, I mean, of him being the killer. Uh, And that would be the 97 Ripper. But other than that, you know, they, they kind of leave him alone. I mean, he's kind of a peripheral character in From Hell mm-hmm. and uh, a peripheral character in Murder by Decree. But um, mm-hmm. he's actually the killer in the 97 Ripper. 
I, th- I think what bugged me particularly about the 88... Well, I, I really enjoyed the 88 one with Michael Kanin, and I thought some of the the set pieces and the, the visually, I thought it was stunning. Yeah. But the I think uh, uh, that everybody compares that with From Hell, but everybody knew that, that From Hell was from a graphic novel, and you know, it was hyped up, it was fiction. It was almost a fantasy version of it, because yeah. it came from the Alan Moore book. But I think what annoyed me... Uh, a bit about the 88 one was that there was this there was this lengthy sort of um preamble at the beginning which said you know it was very heavily researched and they'd gone into it and it was as accurate as they could get it and they were convinced that you know in the light of all their extensive research that they'd come up with the most likely solution yeah yeah i don't like their solution i mean i don't like the fact that they tried to deliver a solution um, because I thought that they were trying so hard to, you know, kind of show us what was going on in London at the time. Um, yeah. And that was very realistic, whether the Aberlean, um, you know, depiction was or not. That was yes. very realistic. And that's, that's the main thing that I loved about that movie. But I was very disappointed that in the last half hour they yeah. decided to present us with their theory. Because I don't think the movie needs to present us with a theory. I no. think it, it should have continued along its realistic vein or more or less realistic vein and just kind of left it up in the air the way the case is i think i mean some the the, just the atmosphere of Whitechapel. i mean there's two bits i love these scenes like in the pubs you know with all the singing and the smoke and all that yeah. um, and also the the bits when abilene like the daily briefing for the coppers that just struck me, you know, when they've got all the notes up behind him and he's, and he's got, and that really sort of struck me as probably very much how it was like, you know, doing daily briefings and so, you know, we've got to do something. He's out there somewhere. And that, that I think was, was good. But, you know, it, it was the other things, you know, that, uh, that rankled, but probably, probably I'm nitpicking too much. I don't know. I really enjoyed seeing uh, the whole Richard Mansfield plot play out. Uh, yeah. Because that whole thing, I just find it so interesting that, you know, the society of the time was the, the, not the society of the time, but police work of the time was so relatively primitive that, you know, they suspected a guy, or some people suspected, a guy who um, was just playing a role. You know, it's yeah. like you couldn't see the disjunction between uh, playing a part on the stage and actually yeah. committing these murders. Um, so I just found that pretty interesting. I mean, I've always found that to be a very interesting wrinkle in the case. And yeah, I, I love yeah. the fact that they played that out. But they, 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 they spiced it up so much. I mean, they, to, to implicate him, I mean, they introduced so many elements. Like him, you know, going whoring in the East End and then taking him and that girl recognised him when he took his wig off and all that stuff. Well, I mean, there's absolutely no evidence for that at all. And also him being bosom buddies with Robert Lees. I mean, as far as I know, there's absolutely yeah. no evidence of that, that yeah. at all. Well, the movies, <laughs> the movies are constantly making things up because they're trying to you know, make a movie that's compelling to the audience. If somebody ever wrote a script which was as closely as possible based on the facts, do you think it would, it, cinematically, do you think it would work? I think it could. Uh, I think it's an interesting story. Um, I, I mean, I think one of the reasons that so many people are interested in it is because it's a fascinating story. So, yeah, I do think that it could be uh, a good movie. Uh, I just mm. don't think that people have tried to be 100% accurate. Now, I... I think that, 
you know, I, I don't think that if you tried to make it as a documentary, I, maybe you could do sort of a cinema verite sort of thing with it. I, but I do think that it could be an interesting and good movie. Yeah. Mm. Have you heard about the, um, I think it's, it's been rumored for years now, but now that it seems like there's going to do a remake of the lodger, but actually set in the, in modern times and in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, you, you, you started this talking about Psycho, and we have Psycho and Silence of the Lambs that were very successful, sort of quasi-based on Ed Gein. Right. Do you think that that's really our shot at having a great Ripper movie, is to not be just factual, but usually just use it as a basis and then set it at a different time or something? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think that... Um, well, I, I'm kind of up in the air right now on this whole thing about the remake of The Lodger because obviously it's not really a remake of The Lodger. From what I understand, it's going to be a copycat killer, right. which is kind of more like the Jack's Back sort of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it could be really interesting. There's a whole ton of movies, as you probably know, that are not really about the, the Ripper, but they use the name Ripper in them. Or there's copycat killers of the Ripper, things like that. Um, there's a ton of those, and um, I some of them are pretty good, and some of them are not very good. But um, I don't know if we're going to find our great Ripper film um, that way. I think that it depends upon the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Isn't the um, remake of the Lodger that Levon was referring to um, names one of the victims as Annie Chapman? I have seen Annie Chapman's name listed in the cast for that movie, yeah. Um, but I don't know if she's actually a victim or if she's a character, you know, uh, some other sort of character. Because the movie looks like it's just kind of riffing off the Ripper case rather than actually being the Ripper case. But um, I, I'll be interested in seeing it. I know that the movie is in production according to the Internet Movie Database. So um, I'm assuming that we'll get to see it. Um, that it's not just humor. Yeah, like you were saying, there's um, quite a few movies that are um, like New York Ripper, for instance. Um, oh, yeah. Made by the Italian director. I think he was Italian. I forget his name. Um, Lucio Fulci. Yeah. Um, um, this place takes place in New York City um, in the 70s, I believe. Um, and it has absolutely nothing to do with Jack the Ripper, from what I was able to tell. Right. Um, but it, other than it, it was a serial killer of women. Right. Um, that goes into the whole section on my website that's devoted to faux rippers. <laughs> um, mm. Because there have been a lot of movies that have uh, used the, the name Ripper, either in their title or in um, the English distri distribution of the title or in... Um, an alternate title, for example, New York Ripper um, has, I believe that the Italian ver the Italian for the title is Ripper uh, of New York. Uh, I don't know Italian, so I, I'm not sure, but there's like one movie, I, I love the title of this, it's, uh, it's called Blade of the Ripper, it's from the early 70s, that's the, that's the English title, it's from 1970, but it has nothing to do with the Ripper, 
and the Italian title actually translates the strange vice of Senora Ward. So, of Mrs. Ward. So, it's, and the Spanish title is The Perversion of Mrs. Ward. So, it's, it has absolutely nothing to do with Jack the Ripper, but the distributors thought that they could sell it if they titled it Blade of the Ripper. Um, and I think that's really very typical of these movies, especially foreign films, that get called Ripper. Um, they're not really Ripper films, but they, um, but they're just using that. That's, that's what I call a faux Ripper, a movie that uses the, the mm. name Ripper without having any direct correspondence to the Ripper. Mm. Um, and then, of course, there's the copycat movies, but um, they're a little bit different because you have somebody who's actually emulating Jack the Ripper or trying to. Right, Jack's back. Yeah, Jack's back, Monster of London City, yeah. um, the Avengers episode Fog. Um, I've, that Monster of was that the one, there was one that was to do with the haunting of London Bridge or something. Is that the one? Oh, that's uh, Terror uh, that, of London uh, Bridge. Lake Havasu. Yeah, Terror of London Bridge, also known as Bridge Across Time. Yeah. 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 I remember that, seeing it. I saw that many years ago. What did you say, Allie? I was, isn't that the one with the esteemed David Hasselhoff? Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> <laughs> the Hoff. <laughs> yes, and, and lots of Havasu water sports. <laughs> Yeah, they have a lot of fun in that movie. <laughs> yeah. What year, yeah I remember. what year was this one from? 85. Oh. It was a made-for-TV American movie, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really fun, though. I was yeah. It's, you were talking about the, um, the one with Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, about the most preposterous movie premise for Jack the Ripper. And yeah. I was sort of deciding, is Jack haunting a brick more preposterous or less preposterous? <laughs> Quite possibly. They're, they're, they're both pretty preposterous, but to tell you the truth, I think that, um, forgive me for this one, but I think that Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde makes for better cinema. It's a more entertaining movie, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, who would you... Uh, the, the, the one actor who I've seen who came nearest to how I imagined the Ripper, and I found absolutely chilling... And to my, to my shame, I can't remember the actor's name because it was in a, in a TV series, mm-hmm. and it was in it was a sci-fi. There's uh, Babylon Five. Babylon Five, that's my favourite. Uh, Wayne and Alexander. It, it, yeah, that's him. Yeah, and it's I think it's called Comes the Inquisitor. Yes. Yeah. And he comes he comes to uh, in, um, sort of test Delenn, and yes. I found him absolutely chilling. Yeah, he was fabulous. Uh, I really was. Yeah, he's my fi- my personal favorite Jack the Ripper portrayal. Um, and mine, and mine. Yeah. Well, you have good taste. <laughs> that is a oh, great one. That, that is he's a, great a super, one. he's a great actor because I mean he's he's in that series throughout. He plays loads of different characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found it kind of amazing because you know Los Angeles has a very large uh, community of British actors, and he's an American, and yeah. uh, he actually got that role. But you can see why. You can see yeah. why he beat everybody else for that role. He actually yes. had to audition. That was his first time, I think, on Babylon 5. So he auditioned for that part, made the yeah. part, and then Straczynski just kept using him and using him and using him in different roles, always with prosthetics after that, because yeah. they, could, they couldn't show his face after that role because he was so memorable. That's right. Do you, know, do you know a British TV comedy series called Goodnight Sweetheart? I've heard of it. 
Um, but I have not actually. With, I have uh, not actually. Well, it's got Nicholas Lindhurst in, who was in Only Fools and Horses with David Jason. But there's an episode of that with a Ripper in it. That's on my watch list. Yeah, the Ripper actually comes back through time and gets run over by a number eighty nine bus. <laughs> <laughs> It's um, very, very, it's very funny. You know, in um, that Waxwork 2 movie, um, it's got Patrick McNee in it and Zach Galligan or whatever. Um, the, it's not a very good movie, but the funniest moment for me is uh, the Ripper gets, you know, kind of tr- transferred across time into Nosferatu. So he is taken care of by the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I... I they actually, you know, cut. They they did that with you know actual footage from Nosferatu. It was very funny. Oh wow! Yeah. Now one of the fan, you... one of the fan favorites is Time After Time. Yes. Mm. Um, and it's it's one of my favorite Ripper movies. Um, I like. I'd watch it before I watched From Hell any day. Um, <laughs> uh, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about that one? Because oh, that that t- that took place. Uh, <laughs> it, well, I well, from, from what I've, this is just my my gut feeling is that is that we had we did have this whole era where, um, I mean, there were a few movies in the fifties, but television seemed to really take over, um, with uh, including Jack the Ripper plots, um, and and all these television shows, um, and and uh, time after time came out. I believe that was in the late seventies, um, and um, and it and it was one of the few Ripper movies to come out in the seventies, wasn't it? Um, actually, there were a lot of Ripper movies in the seventies, uh, but it's one of the only ones that. Um, well, I would call, you know, Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde a Ripper movie. Um, Hands of the Ripper. Let me see. Actual Ripper films. Um, and then there was the Klaus Kinski, Jess Franco one in 76. There was a 78 Lulu, which I have seen, and which isn't very good. There was Murder by Decree, also in 1979. Uh, and a lot of fans also like that one, especially horror movie fans. Uh, but Time After Time came out in 1979. The 70s was actually a pretty good decade uh, in terms of number, quantity of Ripper films. But Time After Time was definitely one of the best of them. And, um, you know, David Warner, of course. And, um, I mean, if you're going to have David Warner and Malcolm McDowell in your movie, you're probably going to have... Um, you know, some good acting, if nothing else. And uh, I just thought that that was really a, an entertaining film. I mean, obviously, the time machine, the Wells time machine, shoots him, shoots the Ripper off into the future, into the uh, late 20th century San Francisco. And um, so you see the Ripper committing his crimes, but um, people think that it's a Ripper copycat because uh, the crimes are just like those crimes back in 1888 London. So it's uh it's kind of an interesting take on it, and you see, of course, Wells using his time machine to chase the Ripper, uh, through throughout time and to you know track him down in the late seventies. Um, so I I found that uh an interesting film. I I really enjoy the movie myself. Yeah. 
McDowell plays Wells, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes, McDowell plays Wells, yeah. and David yeah. Warner plays uh, the Ripper. Yeah. Of course. Do, do, they na- <laughs> do they name, I mean, he's, I, I saw it many, many years ago, but do they actually, is he just referred to as the Ripper, or do they actually name it's him? John, he has a name. Gull? Yeah, he's a Dr. John. Don't they call him Gull? Or no, Stevenson. Oh, Stevenson. Stevenson. Yes, that's right. Oh, right. <laughs> Doctor John Leslie. Stevenson. Leslie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Got to have the Leslie in there. <laughs> Speaking of Stevenson, Mike Covell and Hull. Um, do you have some questions here for Cindy? Um, comments. Yeah, the Wolfman, due uh, to be released in two thousand and nine, starring Benico Del Toro. Have you heard much about this movie? Um, Hugo Weaving. Um, it was in the Matrix. Is going to be playing Detective Abilene, and the film is set in Victorian London in the eighteen eighties. That sounds very interesting. It's on IMBD at the moment, and the the message boards are going crazy. Is it Jack the Ripper? Um, are they trying to say that the Wolfman was Jack the Ripper? Um, there's all sorts of questions on there with regards to Jack the Ripper and the Wolfman. Um, that one's due for next year, and I was just wondering if you'd heard about this particular film. Um, there's quite a lot of stills on there and some some nice pictures um, of Benico del Toro and his, his full Wolfman um, makeup. No, I hadn't actually heard of this one, but um, this is this sounds very interesting. You know, to have Aberlene chasing after um, the perpetrator of of the Wolfman killings. Um, this is, uh, you know. I, Who's One playing of the, the Wolfman on, on that, Mike? Uh, that's Benico Del, del Toro. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, who's playing Aberlene? Hugo Weaving. I am not familiar with that person. The Matrix. He's uh, Smith, is that his name? It, Matrix? Agent Smith, oh, okay. yeah. It's Agent also Smith. starring um, Anthony Hopkins. Wasn't, uh, really? he in Wasn't he in Lord of the Rings as well? Yeah, he was in Lord of the oh, Rings, okay. yeah. That's right, he, played, he was. He, play, he played Elrond. Elrond, yeah. 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 He's got a superb face. For, yeah, uh, yeah he this may be the first opportunity for Aberlene, um, knock on wood, to like not have some um, huge, you know, crutch <laughs> like alcohol. Uh, so, yeah, because he doesn't, you know. Now, you would know, you like to? Would you like to rephrase that? <laughs> <laughs> um, because that actor seems to play it pretty straight. Yeah, oh, he's a super, very good actor. So, who is Hopkins playing? Um, his character's name in it is just a uh, standard character. I've never heard of him before. Um, oh. Sir John Talbot. Oh, yeah, okay. Sir John Talbot was the father of Larry Talbot in The Wolfman, uh, the 1940s movie with Lon Chaney Jr. And um, so it sounds like they're kind of combining the uh, Wolfman with Jack the Ripper, I mean, or at least with uh, having Aberlene, uh, you know, try to solve the case. Um, but it, it sounds like they're playing off the earlier Wolfman movie from the Universal Studios, mm. if they've got a character named Sir John Talbot. Because uh, Larry Talbot is the Wolfman. You know, he's the, he's the character who becomes the Wolfman. Mm. And, uh, and Sir John is his father. So maybe they're going with the whole ape um, on the loose um, theory. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. But speaking of Anthony Hopkins, though, um, I'd heard, I guess it was more than 10 years ago, where he was attached to the 
Diary of Jack the Ripper movie, which I thought would have been, you know, what whatever you feel about the diary would have been a great movie. But oh yeah, uh, I mean the whole Maybrick thing. Yeah, yeah, because of all the drama of Florence, not to mention James being the Ripper. I mean, there's tremendous drama implicit in that, regardless of you know accuracy. And it was right after I think. Um, well, just a couple years after Silence of the Lambs, so I guess it's been more than 10 years, but I yeah. thought that would have been a very, very good movie. Mm. But, oh well. Uh, I, I agree. Anthony Hopkins playing um, James Maybrook mm-hmm. would have meant something to see. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess he's a little old for that now. That's what I'm thinking, Ryan. Yeah. Now, you do have a lot of um, television shows listed on your site. Um, how easy are those to track down and, and view and review? Well, some of them are easy because, um, you know, things like uh, The Twilight Zone, uh, you can watch, at least in the States, you can see a lot of Twilight Zones on marathons, and that's one of the episodes that runs in most of the marathons. So, you know... <laughs> If you just turn on your your uh, recorder, we we taped it on a VCR years ago, but uh, you know you just turn on your recorder and you'll ultimately get you know the uh, the uh, the new exhibit episode um, on one of those marathons on like the Fourth of July weekend or Thanksgiving weekend or one of those holiday weekends uh, here in the states. But um, you know uh, the um, Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. I just got hold of that uh, because a friend of mine gave it to me. Um, you know, he was. We had uh, Christopher Lee at a at a film convention, and uh, he asked me to take his picture with Christopher Lee. I took his picture, and um, in return, I wasn't asking for anything in return. But in return, he sent me um, Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. He has a massive collection of films, and uh, of uh, you know he what 16 millimeter things of, of movies and television shows and he had a very good print of it so um he just sent it to me for taking his picture with christopher lee and i was happy to take his picture with christopher lee mm. so um that's how i got hold of that i mean it was kind of just serendipity you know rather than actually tracking it down because i couldn't find it i couldn't find it anywhere and um now I think, I think I've seen that, you know, I'm not going to ad- advocate downloading a BitTorrent because it could harm your computer, but I think somebody's got it out there as a BitTorrent, um, and somebody else is selling it um, as, you know, the entire thriller TV series. So, you know, there are ways to get hold of it, but it's, um, you know, it's still largely unavailable. Mm. You mentioned a... Uh I think it was a study in terror. Was that was that the first film that pitted uh, Holmes and the Ripper sort of against each other? Yes. Yeah, that was the first one. Oh, f- right. And um, I'm trying to think of the actor's name right off the top of my head. Hold on, I'm on my website. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta look, look up my credits. It's John Neville, a Canadian actor who. Um, John Neville. That rings a bell. Yeah, he played the well-mannered, manicured man in the X Files. He played Sherlock. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, so he was Sherlock Holmes in that movie and did quite a nice job with it. And, uh, and of course, Murder by, Murder by Decree was a Holmes film as well, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Murder by Decree was yeah. a Holmes film, and it's using sort of the, um, uh, the, the Mason theory, right? The theory of the yeah, Mason. that's right. Who played? Yeah. Was it Christopher? Was it Christopher Plummer played Holmes in that? Yeah, yes. Christopher Plummer and uh, James Mason played Watson. That's right. I thought Christopher Plummer was very good in that. Yeah, he is. They're both very good in it. Yeah. Uh, actually, everybody's good in that movie. It's uh, a very good cast. Uh, Sir John Gielgud's in that movie too. That's right. Uh, he played either the Prime Minister or the Home Secretary. I can't remember which. He played either Salisbury yeah. or Matthews. Yeah, he played Lord Salisbury. They have this sort of Masonic hearing, don't they? There's this very claustrophobic room where uh, uh, Holmes is summoned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, At the I end. Remember it's got a sort of black and white checkerboard floor. Yeah. When, yeah, when it's that, all revealed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's Lord Salisbury. Um, you have Donald Sutherland playing Robert Lees. That's kind of interesting casting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was watching. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. I was watching TV a few weeks back, um, and do you remember Friday the Thirteenth, the popular slasher series um, oh, yeah. in the eighties? Well, they had a TV show, um, and I thought it was to do, um, you know, with Jason Voorhees, and it was actually to do with separate stories, um, all with a basic theme of, of sort of horror. Um, and in the first series, the seventh episode. Um, was called Dr. Jack and it was first broadcast on November the 9th, 1987 um, and it features Jack the Ripper um, and basically what it is is a descendant of Jack the Ripper has somehow come across Jack's set of knives um, and as soon as he picks up the scalpel he gains some sort of superpower and has a thirst for murder and goes out killing people um, but you know, watching it from—I mean, you know—I'm a big fan of the Friday the Thirteenth series. Um, but watching it, it becomes quite comical because it's actually a little scalpel, um, <laughs> a, mod- a modern doctor's scalpel. Um, but at one point, it, it cuts through a, a raw iron metal gate um, to escape from the police. Um, so if you can get hold of that, it's uh, it's quite funny, but it's worth watching. Yeah, you, I. What was that again? I mean, I know you said Friday the 13th series. Um, yeah, it was maybe a t- it- TV series. Um, right. I can pop it in an email and send it across. Great. Um, that would be excellent. Yeah, I've got all the episode details and whatnot. That would be excellent because, uh, you know, I'm always looking for that stuff. We watched about five minutes and turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have that, le- you know, I don't have the ability to do that. I have to actually watch these if I'm going to maintain my site. <laughs> Allie, I see were, were you? Oh, I thought uh, Allie also was trying well. to say something as well. But go go ahead, uh, Mike. Just a quick one. I saw on your website that you had uh, Shanghai Nights as well as one that's on your list um, with Jack the Ripper, and that's one of my sort of favourite um, appearances by Jack. Um, oh. I don't know if you were aware that Shanghai Nights was filmed on the same film set in Prague as From Hell. Um, the guys uh, took over the film set. Um, when the Hughes brothers had finished filming um, and they made Shanghai Nights. But Shanghai Nights is based after 1888. Um, 
there's quite a lot of again a lot of debate on IMPD um, about the the dates and you know all the errors in the film and stuff like that. But I love the way Jack the Ripper comes into the movie um, and accosts Jackie Chan's sister. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who, like Jackie Chan, is is big on a kung fu, and she kicks Jack the Ripper off the bridge, um, oh, yeah. into the the river below. And I thought that was quite comical. Um, oh yeah, to see to see someone get rid of Jack in that in that way. Yeah, that's one of my favorite dispatches of the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> after after that photo was found of him recently, I think we've got to have a film with Tumblety in. I mean, that moustache, you you know, has got to be on the screen somehow. Elf and safety, it could be a fire hazard. Yeah, it could indeed, couldn't it? Yes. I don't think there's enough spirit gum to create it in the first place. It was monstrous. Um, Cindy, I know it's like a separate area, but have you done any work on like radio shows and radio broadcasts over the years? No, I haven't. Um, there's a lot of material out there on radio stuff. I know that they mm. did a, a version of The Lodger in the 40s. Um, the... Mm. Um, the um, show that the the movie that later became uh, Room to Let uh, was, I think, originally a radio broadcast. Um, so there's there's been a lot of radio stuff, but I just mm. haven't really gotten into that direction yet. You know, it's it's a vast it's a vast Probably direction. A, I'd imagine a lot of it is a lot harder to track down as well. Yeah, Hitchcock um, directed the radio version of The Lodger as, really? as, as the pilot for Suspense, the Suspense uh, radio show. Um, and it, yeah, it was, uh, it was the uh, one of, it was the very first episode of Suspense um, in, in which, yeah, Hitch, Hitchcock did do the, the radio for The Lodger. Oh. Um, and and along the and I know you and I have talked about this off uh, in the past, Cindy. But um, do you have any interest in in um, getting into documentaries? Yeah, I think that it would be good to be able to catalog the documentaries as well. Um, I haven't done that in the past because I'm mostly I, I had so much time. It took so long just to put together what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't. I kind of had to you know, limit the scope of what I was doing. But yeah, documentaries would be another interesting avenue because I'm sure there's plenty of different theories out there in the documentaries. I've seen one or two documentaries. Um, you know, it's... Um, it, um, my primary interest, of course, is in how mythology develops, but um, you, I'm sure that there's plenty of that in the documentaries as well. <laughs> Things that people oh, say are fact. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. One I'm I'm still trying to get hold of, which I don't know if you've seen, which was um, I think it was 1973. Was the Barlow and Watt? It's just called Jack the Ripper. Right. You, you haven't seen that, Chris? No. Oh well. Um, still trying. Still trying to get hold of it. I've seen it twice on Email me your email. address, and I'll and I'll send you a copy. I have. Yeah. It. yeah sure. Oh, superb. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, was that, well, um, that, that was very important because that was the first sort of appearance of Joseph Sickert, wasn't it? Yes. Uh-huh. In, in it, the public eye. Right. From which all, from which all these later fictional, um, you know, ones sprang. So, I mean, it's quite an important, quite a sort of seminal um, piece of work. That's very kind of you, Jonathan. It's appreciated. 
Yeah, no problem. Um, Thank you very much. I, and that, and, it, and then that, as you know, is is kind of a mixture. I mean, it's it's, it's a. I wouldn't even call it really a documentary. Um, no, no. So it does kind of bridge this gap between um, television uh, fiction and um, and documentary. Yeah. I think, as far as I understand it, factually it's pretty good, but the it was presented by obviously by two fictional characters, right? And they don't um, zero in on a suspect, um, which I thought, although they spent a lot of time talking about um, the Masonic conspiracy, um, yeah. they they don't actually um, you know come out and say we think we've solved it. Which I, no. thought was uh, that, which I thought. Do, do they men- do they mention the principal suspects? Yeah, uh, they, as would they, as would then have been you know Druitt and Kosminski. Yes, and, yes, they do. And and there's a reenactment in the in the show of them pulling Druitt's body from the Thames. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, I look forward to seeing that. Now, uh, I don't know, uh, Cindy, how much uh, feedback you receive on your site. Um, but uh, do you have a general idea of what brings um, people to your site uh, if they're already enthusiasts of the Jack the Ripper case, or is it something that maybe they've seen Johnny Depp in From Hell? And and um, do you have any idea of uh, of um, you know the the typical viewership of your website? Yeah, um, because I I have a pretty good statistics um, program, um, you know, plug-in running, because I'm running with uh, WordPress, which is a blogging platform, and um, it has a very good statistics thing. Um, So I can actually look at a lot of the search terms that drive people to my site, and um, I say that a lot of people just start out with uh, Jack the Ripper movies. You know, they're looking for Jack the Ripper movies and variations of Jack the Ripper movies. They'll say movies on Jack the Ripper. Um, uh, Sometimes they're looking for my website. Sometimes they're looking for Hollywood Ripper. But I'd say most of them are looking for Jack the Ripper movies. Some are looking for stuff on Patricia Cornwell, and I have a few posts on Cornwell's book. Um, Some people are looking for... um, uh, Miter Square, um, images of Miter Square, things like that. A shocking number of people, and this is really kind of discouraging to me, are looking for things like Ripper porn and for um, Jack the Ripper, uh, the Japanese Jap- Jack the Ripper movie. Um, they're looking for Japanese assault porn. Um, so porn is a, a word that sometimes gets in there too because I have a post called Japanese Faux Ripper Porn, <laughs> which is about that Japanese movie. Um, so that drives a lot of people to my website. And um, that's um, not a, you know, that's kind of a little discouraging to me, but um, it's uh, kind of interesting that that's mm. one of the key search terms. I get people at least every couple of days coming to my website looking for uh, information on that movie. Which movie is this? I don't know. It's called Assault Jack the Ripper. It's uh, a, Jap- a very ultra-violent Japanese movie. Um, when I say porn, I'm using it loosely. It's, um, mm-hmm. you know, but it's uh, really, um, it's part of the Japanese uh, porn genre, actually. It's called Pinku Ega. 
uh, genre, and um, it's considered one of the best films in that genre. But it's uh, you know ultra violent. It's um, mm. it's a character. It's it's a faux ripper movie. It's uh, yeah. Um, or, yeah yeah yeah. But it that's one of the things that drives a lot of people to my website too. Mm. I get at least one every couple of days, or maybe two or three every couple of days, and so that's a mm. consistent driver. You know. Mm. Which which Ripper film? I mean, I don't know if you know this, but do you know which Ripper film has sort of been financially the most successful? Is it From Hell? Oh, I don't know the answer to that, but I would suspect it's From Hell. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. And that was that was one of the reasons, kind of, for my question about your website's viewership, is because Chris had mentioned earlier um, that. Um, you know, the From Hell was based off the graphic novel and everything. But I wonder really how many people know that. Um, how, um, how, you know, how many people watched From Hell knowing that it was based on a, um, a comic book. Um, and it was in fantasy and in fiction. And, mm. uh, and so if they go to your website um, thinking that, and, and I mean, this happens at the casebook also. I imagine that people uh, show up on the casebook having only seen From Hell, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and you know, come to the realization that uh, you know that the plot um, is pretty far from the truth. Um, mm. And so it, it's kind of serves serves a good purpose, you know, in the field, um, in that you. A lot of your posts, you know, are, and, and the um, introduction to Curse on, Upon Miter Square also, you know, kind of educate uh, people who are new to the case about um, the, 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 the facts, you know, before you yeah. delve into all the fictional representations. Right, right. How did you... Uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. Is it, I was just going to say, is it true that Alamore actually disowned from hell? The movie? I don't know. I don't I know, know that. I, know, I saw him, when they when they oh, what was that one recently? The guy in the mask, which was another adaptation of one of his um, V for Vendetta. Mm, yeah, that, that's that's based on one of his graphic novels as well. And there's another one that's been um, and I saw him interviewed, and he was very angry. He's a strange looking man, very long grey hair. Um, and he's he was fuming really about all of them. I mean, he was just saying that he was very very unhappy with From Hell and. Um, he virtually gave the impression that he'd actually sort of disowned it, and he was very unhappy with the way they'd done it. Yeah, I I didn't really follow the you know the relationship between Alan Moore and the people who rendered his uh, novel, graphic novel into film. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really um, you know followed that, but that is yeah I I would wonder about that. Hmm. But he seemed to be sort of very unhappy with um, the way that any of them had been done. I know there were three. I can't remember the name of the third one because I know V for Vendetta has been made into a film. Did he do yeah. Sin City I, as well or no? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. League of Extraordinary that's it. Gentlemen. That's yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah that's Sean, right. That's it. That's the Sean Connery. And it seems to be that he, uh, um, he has an issue with all movies made in Hollywood, but for some reason that doesn't stop him from selling the rights to him. So <laughs> he, can't be, he can't be that upset with the treatment. No. Well, he's certainly not upset with the cash by the sound of it. 
Methinks he doth protest too much. <laughs> we haven't talked too much about the movie From Hell, um, Cindy. So um, uh, why don't you give us your uh, review of that one? And how do you think that ranks as far as Ripper movies go? It's, um, okay. The, the movie, it's pretty decent cinema, but it's not brilliant cinema. And I think it's a well-made movie cinematically. I think that it uh, does a pretty good job with the recreation of of the look of of Whitechapel, at least as far as I can tell. Um, maybe the people who are better acquainted with uh, the case in all of its detail would would have a different perspective on that. But um, I, I liked the fact that it. Um, tried to avoid glamorizing the women except of course for mary kelly um that was um pretty egregious um obviously it's it's got massive uh fantasy elements you know with aberlene as this visionary uh character which reminds me yeah. quite a bit actually of um uh what the red dragon the the original um fbi profiler on the hannibal lecter case you know um, or oh, not the Hannibal Lecter case, but yeah. Um, Will Graham. I'm sorry. Will Graham. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's um, the original version of that, right? Yeah, uh, man, manhunter, manhunter, manhunter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Great so you've film. got, yeah, you've got him as that kind of, um, you know, visionary who's who's not only a profiler but actually kind of gets into the head yeah. of of yeah. the killer. Um, and that was later kind of dealt with in Millennium, you know, the, the TV show of the late 90s, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, by the X-Files creators. So you've got Aberlene falling into that, which is, you know, massive fantasy element. And then, of course, you've got that. I, I hated the ending of From Hell with, you know, Mary Kelly going off to Ireland and, yeah. you know, this nice happy ending. But, um, you know, I think it's more respectful of Mary Kelly to tell the truth, mm. you know rather than to save her for this happy ending. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't want to see... If they're going to use the real names of the women, I want to see the women respected. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, psychic Investigators has been a theme yeah. f- um, <laughs> for, for decades in, in, um, in representations of the case, right? Um... To some extent, yeah, it's usually coming more off the Lees thing. I mean, you've got that 1958 episode of, um, it's kind of difficult to figure out exactly what it was. It was related, I think, to Boris Karloff's series, The Veil, but it may or may not have actually been an episode of The Veil. But there's a Jack the Ripper episode that's bundled with some episodes from The Veil. And um, it's got the guy who was in Curse of the Demon, Neil McGinnis. Um, and he plays... Um, a psychic investigator basically he's seeing visions of the ripper killings and he goes to try to tell the police about it and they uh suspect him of being the killer because he you know is able to see into this and then you've got you know the lee's character popping up in murder by decree and um you know obviously the 1988 bbc production with with michael kane so you've got you know psychic investigators but it doesn't really become a major theme in um ripper cinema um not a major theme I think you see that a lot more in other um in other 
you know, movies about killers, but not so much mm. in the Ripper movies. Yeah. As you, well, I mean, as you said, the whole sort of like uh, Hannibal Lecter thing, I mean, that's... Although you don't get that quite so much in the remake, do you? Because they remade the Manhunter, which I think was a great film. Uh, and then when they remade that as, um, what was it, A Red Dragon, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they, they remade it with the original title of the novel. Yeah, yeah. I didn't enjoy the remake so much. I thought, I thought the first one. There again, I, li- I liked Brian Cox as Lecter. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of people really, really love that movie. Um, I had the misfortune of seeing it after Silence of the Lambs and was ah. really sold. I was totally sold on Hopkins as Lecter at that yeah. point. But I, yeah. I do like Brian Cox. He's a good actor. I just felt he, he so underplayed. I mean, he was so sort of conversational and, you know, just sitting there in the white, you know, in the white uh, prison garb and that. Yeah, yeah. Because Hopkins, you know, it was so sinister and so, you know, that manic look in his eyes. Great performance. Anyway, sorry, we're veering off the subject. (laughs) No, that's okay. I want to wrap it up, actually, um, because it's gone for about an hour and a half. Um, can I just say? Can I just say one yes, final thing? Everyone, everyone, um, Levon and Ali. Also, if you have any uh, last comments, one final questions. thing, which I haven't, which I haven't had a chance to say, which is to thank Cindy very much for the website and all the work she's put in because I think it's great. Thank you. I, no, I, it's really, it's really appreciated, and it's it's an aspect of the because obviously I go on Casebook a lot and I go on JTR forums, but it's it's an aspect of the case that because you know being a, a love film anyway. But it, it's something that, you know, it's, it's, it's another aspect to it. When, or, you know, I can put away the censuses and all the sort of factual stuff and just go and indulge in, in a bit of cinema, which is lovely. And I really enjoy the site, and thanks for putting it up. Thank you very much. I second that also. Yeah, I would add to that as well. I've, I, um, I started my blog, I don't know how long ago, but one of the first things that I came across was the, uh, the Ripper Lady and Hollywood Ripper, and that really, <laughs> that really put me on the track of a lot of, good stuff you know that that um it made me want to learn more specifics about the case just to see where they were veering off in the in the entertainment portion of it so yeah thank you thanks ali any any um final questions or anyone levon or or chris nope thanks for coming i think i'm talked out (laughs) (laughs) as usual but by the way um just one thing that I wanted to say is that, um, you know, what, the first thing when I decided that I was going to pursue the Jack the Ripper thing, the first place that I looked on the web was the casebook. And that's how I kind of got up to speed on who the victims were and, and all of that. And the casebook has, has just been a major guide, you know, for many years. So I, I just wanted to, you know, thank Allie and Stephen, you know, for the casebook. Yeah. And everybody Not else. Me. <laughs> Surely Stephen, and I'll pass that along to him. Thank you, thank you. But everybody who participates, you know, in all of that, it's a it's an amazing website, and it's just grown in in amazing directions over the years. I've seen it from what I would call kind of. Uh, childhood, not infancy, but, you know, more childhood, and now it's a, a, an amazing, incredible site. I will pass that along. I'm sure he says thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Well, uh, Cindy Collins-Smith from HollywoodRipper.com, we thank you for being on this episode of RipperCast. And that was RipperCast, episode 22, 
Blondes, Psychics, and Aberlene's Crutch, Jack the Ripper in the Movies. I want to thank Cindy Collins Smith for being on the show today. She was coming to us from Falls Church, Virginia. We also had Chris Scott from North London, Mike Covell from Kingston upon Hull in the UK, Levon Tal was coming to us from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Allie Ryder was in Charlottesville, Virginia. Again, I want to thank Cindy Collins Smith for being our special guest and all of the co hosts for joining in today. We are a weekly podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel Murders, available via the iTunes Music Store's podcast section, keyword Jack the Ripper, or at www.rippernet.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. It's as sweet as your life.